Welcome back to Well That's Interesting. The I still can't wrap my head around just how old things are. Edition. Today is episode 120. Fucking 120. Ancient virus revived from Siberian permafrost and a 4.6 billion year old surprise. Well, my friends, I'm sure you've heard the term turducken before. Uh, well, that's a weird segue. <laughs> That's a really weird segue, but stick with me here. I'm sure you've heard the term turducken before, especially if you're from the States. But if you're new to this culinary behemoth, uh, a turducken is a dish consisting of a deboned chicken stuffed into a deboned duck, further stuffed into a deboned turkey. Well, here's an adorable fact I just learned because the British have to be so very British about everything. Uh, their version of a turducken is known as a three-bird roast good duckin. A three-bird roast good duckin. <laughs> so classy. But all you have to do is replace turkey with a goose and you're all set. Now, whatever you like to call it, today's show is full of turduckins or good duckins. And here's what I mean. In the first half of the show, we're going to talk about a subject that freaked out all the social medias back in December of 2022. Uh, and what you may have heard on TikTok or Instagram is just the beginning. My friends, I'm talking about ancient, and I mean record-breaking ancient viruses found inside melting Siberian permafrost. But what those seven-second clips didn't tell you was that they were stuffed inside animal parts that were stuffed in the no longer frozen permafrost. Yeah, the viruses weren't alone in the ice. They were inside dead creatures found in the melting ice. Now, needless to say, exposed dead animals filled with viruses we've never seen before <laughs> may become a problem in the not too distant future. So some researchers have taken the situation into their own hands and revived the viruses now. And you may be asking yourself why? <laughs> Why, God? And what animals were they found in? Great questions. We're going to get into it. And then after the break, a man looking for gold finds a massive rock that's unlike anything here on Earth. And that's because it's not from Earth. When eventually cracked open, what was found inside revealed secrets of the fucking universe. No joke. No cap, as they say. Turducken, good duckin, tomato, tomato, it's all the same goddamn thing. Uh, oh, and if this is your first time listening, welcome to the flock. Buckle up, business goose, it is just you, me, and the rest of the gang today, and we are starting off by heading on over to Aix-Marseille University in France. It is here. We'll find hubby and wife duo Jean-Michel Clavery and Chantelle Abergil. Oh, I fucking nailed that. Uh, anyway, they both work in bioinformatics. Now, I have never heard of bioinformatics before, so I gave it a Google, and our friend the wiki says, bioinformatics is an interdisciplinary field that develops methods and software for understanding biological data, in particular when the data sets are large and complex. Sounds large and complex. <laughs> and boy, howdy. Jean-Michel, Chantel, and their fellow bioinformaniacs at Aix-Marseille, well, they certainly have their hands full. For you see, they just can't quit viruses. But actually, let me be more specific. They just can't quit ancient 
viruses frozen in the Siberian permafrost, thousands of miles away and have been dormant for thousands of years. In their first rodeo with such creatures back in 2014, get this, the team was able to find and revive a virus buried 30 meters below the surface of an area called Chukotka in East Siberia. Now, here's the good news. Uh, what was unfortunately named P. Sibiricum, <laughs> God, uh, this virus only infects amoeba and not humans, A+. Here's the not so good news. This virus was 30,000 years old and it woke up like it just took a small fucking nap, NBD. Now this concerned the researchers for a multitude of reasons. My friends, look, we've talked many a time about climate change on this show and dedicated many an episode. Uh, for example, we mentioned 25% of the Northern Hemisphere is underlain by permanently frozen ground referred to as permafrost. But let's just say she's not well. <laughs> And her health has the attention of these researchers, as stated in a recent paper published on biorxiv.org. Quote, one of the most visible consequences of climate change is the global thawing of permafrost at increasing depths. The thawing of permafrost has significant microbial consequences. First, with the above freezing temperatures, the return of liquid water triggers the metabolic reactivation of numerous soil microorganisms, exposing the organic material previously trapped in the permafrost to decomposition, aka that really old dead stuff. That's my editorial note. This releases additional CO2 and methane, further contributing greenhouse gas to the atmosphere." End quote. So my friends, on one hand, we have revived things like ancient bacteria with an extreme case of the munchies after a long-ass snooze. They eat and fart out damaging gases that can get trapped in our atmosphere. On the other hand, bacteria isn't all that's down there and slowly coming to the surface. Yeah, you guessed it, there's also viruses. Ones that can infect mammals, like perhaps you and me. So, are you concerned? Well, great. You're not alone. <laughs> Continuing from the paper in a sadly humorous way, quote, this situation could be much more disastrous in the case of plant, animal, or human diseases caused by the revival of an ancient unknown virus. As unfortunately well-documented by recent and ongoing pandemics, each new virus, even related to known families, almost always requires the development of highly specific medical responses, such as new antivirals or vaccines. It is therefore legitimate to ponder the risk of ancient viral particles remaining infectious and getting back into circulation by the thawing of ancient permafrost layers." End quote. Ah, so here we are, my friends, back in good old Siberia with Jean Michel, Chantel and the gang, and their newest album just dropped. They, they went looking for more viruses, ancient ones, all to see if they too can be revived and most importantly, remain infectious. So what did they find? Where did they find it? And what the hell happened? Let's get into it. Let's just jump right the fuck in, okay? They found and revived not one, not two, not eight, but 13 viruses in total from just five different locations. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
Now, one of those locations was uh, in the permafrost of the city. The city? <laughs> yes, that came out of my face. Came out of the city, Yakutsk, which just so happens to be the coldest city on Earth. And I'm recording this on December 21st, 2022. And I checked out the high temp for today in Yakutsk. And uh, it's negative 44 degrees Fahrenheit there, or negative 42 Celsius, uh, if you're curious, in Yakutsk. Well, my God. Anyway, these researchers overachieved like hell, discovering four mind-bogglingly named Pandora viruses right here. And these little fellas target tiny amoeba, but they don't fuck around. They got the name Pandora because they're the second largest in physical size of any known viral genus. They big, they're just real big. <laughs> now, you're probably wondering, were researchers able to revive this known virus? And drum roll, please. Of course they were, of course they were. And the newly awakened viruses were able to infect amoeba, just like that. Now, this is impressive, but we are just getting started. My friends, inside permafrost elsewhere, researchers found woolly mammoth poop. Yeah, we found a little bit of poop and mammoth wool. And what a great day that must, that must have been. But it got even better. Inside that poop and inside that wool were three brand new viruses dating back 27,000 years. These three were named after the behemoths they lived in but did not directly affect. They were called Pithovirus Mammoth, Pandora Virus Mammoth, and Megavirus Mammoth. Uh, clearly, size matters to these researchers, but that's their business. And yes, they were successfully resuscitated after 27,000 years of sleep. So, round of applause. Just great. <laughs> God, it keeps coming, folks. I just have to take a breath. <clears throat> All right, hold on now to anything. Hold on to anything, because viruses, of course, don't limit themselves to mammoths to spread around. For our next turducken, behold, the stomach of a Siberian wolf, Canis lupus. Yes, that, that's right, what else? A Siberian wolf stomach. Now, inside this wolf's stomach, researchers found two viruses that were previously known and adorably named Pac-Man viruses. But the kicker is that until their discovery here, in this stomach, they've only been found in pigs. Quote, we now report the isolation of a new member of this defined group from the frozen intestinal remains of a Siberian wolf preserved in the permafrost layer, dated less or around 27,000 years from the study, end quote. <clears throat> so, needless to say, this new family member that could hitch a ride in canines eh, was a surprise. Now, if you're worried about your immediate safety here, luckily all of these only target amoeba and single-cell creatures living in soil or water. But I personally am not down with them being in water because <laughs> I'm not comfortable. Because despite being 30, almost 30,000 years old, and awakened and introduced to a culture of live amoeba not having been seen in eons, these viruses were just fine. It was like old times. The viruses, quote, replicated slowly. They were, these, the ones found in the stomach, uh, they were given the kick-ass name of Pac-Man virus lupus. That's pretty awesome though. Okay, 
All of this is a lot. I know, it really is. And thankfully, we've reached the grand finale. Yeah, this is the last one. Okay. One of the viruses, found under a lake in classic horror movie fashion, clocked in at 48,500 years. That's right, 48,500 years old, give or take. And yes, this virus remained infectious despite spending all those years in deep permafrost under a fucking lake. <laughs> now, if that age sounds impressive, it is. Quote, 48,500 years is a world record. Jean-Michel told IFL Science in regards to the oldest revived virus category. Great. Ah, now, I'm not sure how long that record will be kept since there seems to be a strong pattern here of things waking up. And these researchers want to know everything they can about what's slowly emerging from the past. David Neald of ScienceAlert.com reports, quote, virologist Eric De Delwart, Delwart, let's say Delwart, from the University of California, San Francisco, agrees that these giant viruses are just the start when it comes to exploring what lies hidden beneath the permafrost. Though Delwart wasn't involved in the current study, he has plenty of experiencing experiencing. <laughs> he has plenty of experience resuscitating ancient plant viruses. If the authors are indeed isolating live viruses from ancient permafrost, it is likely that the even smaller, simpler mammalian viruses would also survive frozen for eons, Delwart said. Well, thanks for that, Delwart. Uh, I guess on the positive side of this kind of research, you could say this time around we'll see what's coming and be somewhat prepared, I guess. <laughs> so let's collectively, God damn it, in the new year, let's send some good fucking vibes their way because we might need it. We will need it. Yeah. After the break, <laughs> a serendipitous discovery. One man's hobby revealed a moment in time 4.6 billion years ago. This is awesome. It's great fucking news. You'll love this. It's great. Stay tuned. And we're back. We are so back. And my friends, we need to travel back to a simpler time, 2015. I know. <laughs> just, I can't. So anyway, it just so happens to be a beautiful day in Maryborough, Australia. Now, whereabouts is this within the vastness that is this continent? Well, don't worry. I've got you. Everyone, please. Picture Australia. Great. Now point to the southeast corner. All right, now you've got yourself the state of Victoria. And along the middle of the coastline, there's Melbourne. Good day. Move your eyes just a smidge northwest, and voila, there's Maryborough. Fun fact about this little city, Maryborough is in the Goldfields region, which uh, had a huge gold rush in the 19th century. Uh, the fever, though, has not settled down for one man. Aptly named Dave Hole is an avid. <laughs> I could do this. Dave Hole is an avid prospector whose hobby is going out on gorgeous days and using a metal detector to find buried nuggets. <laughs> well, wouldn't you know it? On a random day, he hit the motherlode of all jackpots, but not in the way he expected. His detector went bonkers over a rock that was just unreal in every way. Uh, technically, it weighed 37 and a half pounds, but when you lifted it, 
it felt more like 3,700. That mass was even more curious, being that this thing was only 15 inches long and about five inches across. It was extraordinarily smooth, too, with just a few dimples here and there. Now, the odd weight made Dave believe there's got to be something hidden within. So he did what any one of us would do and just bust the fuck in. Well, he tried to bust into it. It's more like it. Uh, first up, the uh, classic rock saw was used, which did nothing. Uh, next, he used an actual saw, and not a fucking dent was made. Wailing on it with a sledgehammer just made the sledgehammer bounce right back. My friends, <laughs> he even went as far as dousing the thing in acid. And lo and behold, nothing. The rock remained intact, triumphant, and maybe even a little mocking. So there it sat in Dave's home for years. This rock, this seemingly indestructible lump, the size and shape of a loaf of bread. Come on by our social media stuffs and take a look at it. Now it stayed in Dave's home until 2019 when Dave got the idea to bring it on over to Melbourne Museum for identification. As reported by Liam Mannix of the Sydney Morning, Morning Herald, quote, people bring rocks to Melbourne Museum all the time, hoping they're meteorites. And it's the job of museum geologists Dermot Henry and Bill Burke to gently let them down. Of the thousands of rocks Mr. Henry has examined in his 37 years at the museum, only two have been meteorites, end quote. Well, my friends, get this. One of those two is what Dave brought in that day in a backpack. <laughs> right when he unzipped the bag, the two geologists knew this was going to be a special fucking day. Quote, it had this sculpted, dimpled look to it, Dermot told the Herald. That's formed when they come through the atmosphere. They are melting on the outside, and the atmosphere sculpts them. End quote. Bill Burke continued, Quote, if you see a rock on Earth like this and you picked it up, it shouldn't be that heavy, end quote. <laughs> so if you fancy a peek at this rock, like I said, head on over to our social media stuffs and behold what the fuck I am about to reveal. My friends, the geologists who had to use a saw with a diamond blade to shave off the butt end of this magnificent loaf, my God, when they finally were able to examine what was inside, they found a bespeckling of little silver raindrops. Now, there's a photo of this on our Instagram and our Twitter, so come on by. And after you take a look at this silver glitter, hold on to your butts, because these random raindrops are extremely dense, crystallized droplets of iron and nickel that formed inside this rock as it passed through the super hot cloud of gas which created our solar system. Yeah. Quote, you're looking right back to the formation of the solar system here, said Dermot Henry. Dermot Henry. Sorry, Dermot. <laughs> now, because it's filled with metallic minerals, it's technically an H5 chondrite meteorite, but this little guy is commonly known as the Maryborough meteorites, and it's estimated to be around 4.6 billion years old. I'll say that again, 4.6 billion years old. Now, I know what you're thinking. How? How do we even know? And where exactly did it come from if it was just passing through? Well, <laughs> passing through this cloud. Well, don't worry, I've got you. As so beautifully explained by Liam Mannix of the Sydney Morning Herald, quote, 
About that time, 4.6 billion years ago, our solar system consisted of lumps of this chondrite circling the sun. Gravity slowly clumped those rocks together to make Earth and other rocky planets. Some lumps were left over. Most of them now orbit the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter. Occasionally, two asteroids in the belt will crash into each other, sending shards of rock flying. That's how the Maryborough meteorite would have started its life, as a shard sent racing towards Earth. After traveling for years through space, it entered Earth's atmosphere. Friction would have superheated the rock and turned its surface red and molten. It would have streaked across the sky before landing with a thud in the dense shrub where years later, Mr. Hull found it." End quote. Now, my friends, if you don't feel anything after hearing that, <laughs> you're fucking dead. <laughs> Dave went on to tell the paper, quote, it was just potluck, mate. A billion to one. <laughs> billion, a trillion to one. Got more of a chance of being struck by lightning twice. End quote. So, if you find yourself in Melbourne, stop by the museum, and check out what our solar system looked like in its infancy and feel very truly small while doing it. Okay, thank you for listening, <laughs> rating, subscribing, telling your friends about this fucking rock that this guy just randomly found on a beautiful day. Tell them about the viruses that are inevitably coming. They will be thrilled and tell them in the order of which you choose. <laughs> Good news first or the bad one news first. <laughs> and please, stay interesting.